Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. This is our third week of managing meltdowns. And as I was getting ready for this message, I started thinking to myself, what is the most likely place that you're going to see a meltdown? I mean, besides the DMV, but like, what, what would you see in your life? The most meltdowns happen. And I think for me, like, it's pretty clear, personally, anyway, the golf course meltdowns. I mean, I sometimes, and I struggle with this, struggle with my, my issues on the golf course. I've found that I can throw my golf clubs as far as I can hit the ball at times. Just a confession in church. But the biggest, the biggest meltdown arena that I think I've ever seen is any boat ramp in the world. Amen. Yes, yes. And probably the reason for that is, is that it's one time when you and your spouse team up together to do something. You really need each other. And if you go to any boat ramp, you'll see the same scenario play itself out. Maybe the husband is in the boat, and he's trying to help his wife back the, the truck down with the trailer on it. And it's, it's the same conversation. It's left. The other left. And she'll come out. What are you talking about? Are you talking about, are you talking about the trailer or the truck? Of course the trailer. I don't want you to back the truck into the water. It's the trailer. Well, well I, I don't get it. I don't know which way you want me to go. Just keep coming the way you're coming. And you start off and you have patience, but then everything just goes out the window. You see that happen a lot. Now, just, you know, some advice. Take, take this just as a little bit of advice. If you want to invest in a boat and you want to attempt this as a couple, do this. The have the wife, you as, as the mom, as the wife and the family, you practice bringing the boat onto the trailer. Guys, you go practice backing the truck down. And I say the key word, practice. And you will save yourself so many meltdowns. Now, meltdowns are inevitable in life. Some are small, some are you can deal with, and then we have large meltdowns. And we're going to face both as we go through our life. And this morning, we're going to be talking about what I think is the biggest meltdown that you can, actually, that can ever see in the Bible. And this one takes place in the Old Testament. Now, a story picks up in the, in the Old Testament where uh, the country of Judah, which Judah and Israel were once one country, but then after Solomon, they split, and there's a northern company, uh, country of Israel, there's a southern country of Judah, which both fell to different countries. The southern kingdom of Judah fell, fur, or fell second, and they fell to the country 
of Babylon. I don't know if you'll remember that in Scripture. And anytime the Babylonians would come and they would defeat a country, they would loot it. They would loot all the possessions, and then they would take the best of the best as far as people, and they would bring them back in exile to uh, or into captivity to their country. And Daniel was one of Judah's best. So he made this long journey across the desert back to Babylon. And while in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar uh, renamed Daniel, as, as, uh, and he not only renamed him, but he wanted him to be an interpreter of his dreams. Now, if you'll remember in recent history, Saddam Hussein actually thought that he was a direct descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted that. Now, whether or not that was true or not, it probably wasn't, but, but that's what he wanted. And Daniel was super good at telling people what their dreams meant because God had given him this gift, and he was super close to God. So he was really, really good at interpreting dreams. Now remember, and we need to remember in this story, that Nebuchadnezzar, in the timeline, had seen God's power. He had seen the one true God's power. He had seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survive his fiery furnace. Saw him walk out. He didn't even smell like smoke. He did, they, they just unscathed. And so he had seen what God could do, but he didn't understand that the God that he was, uh, Daniel was worshiping was the one true God. Nebuchadnezzar had a bunch of gods. He worshiped all kinds of gods. In fact, he thought he was a god. And he demanded his people worship him, which is how we got the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they refused to worship him. But then some things happen in his life, and he decides that he's going to declare or, or, or tell his people, tell the whole world what happened. And we picked that up in Daniel chapter 4. The Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you, he said. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. So this was Daniel's God. This is the God of the Hebrews. This is our God. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. I said to him, Belteshazzar, who he renamed him a Babylonian name, chief of the magi magicians. I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. So in this instance, Daniel was just another fortune teller to him. He's just another magician. He just led up a group of people that, that could tell him his dreams. And in verse 10, the Bible says uh, that he continues on and he tells Daniel uh, what his dream was. He says, while I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop, lop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. 
Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by, the, by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dews of heaven, and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belteshazzar, that was, uh, th that was the dream that I, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means. For none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can, you can tell me, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Now understand, as a prophet, when he sees the truth, he doesn't want to tell the king, because it directly affects the king. And Nebuchadnezzar was way more rotten than, than uh, Saddam Hussein was. This guy was, he was an awful king. He was a mean king. He was a pagan king. And he would kill people just to spite if he wanted. <clears throat> Belteshazzar replied, or Daniel replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was that was growing tall and strong, now down to verse 22, that tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven, and you will rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots and the ground bound to the band of iron and bronze and surrounded by the tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my lord the king. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of the heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live in this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree will left in the ground. This means that you'll receive your kingdom back again. And when you, uh, and when you have when you have learned that heaven rules, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, please accept my advice. Stop sinning, and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Well, do you think Nebuchadnezzar listened? Verse 28, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was talking and walking, or taking a walk upon, uh, on a flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own might, power, I, by my, mo my, my mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display in my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of the kingdom. You will be driven from, the, from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. 
That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived in this way until his hair was as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Did you know that story was in the Bible? That, that crazy story where Nebuchadnezzar was turned into this creature? And isn't it interesting that he was warned? He was even given 12 months to change, and he didn't do so, so God turned him into Captain Caveman. Now, I don't know if you remember Captain Caveman, but Captain Caveman was always on Saturday morning cartoons when, when I was growing up. This is a picture of Captain Caveman. I don't know if you remember him now. And Captain Caveman always did one thing. He always said one thing. You remember what that was? Watch this. Captain Caveman! That's what I think of when I think of Nebuchadnezzar in that state. He was like Captain Caveman. Now, why did God give him a year to straighten up? Because he was a bad dude. Understand, he was wicked to the core, yet God gave him a year. Why did he do that? Because God is a patient God. Our God is a patient God. Thank God he loves us and he is patient with us. I mean, there have been so many times, so many instances in my life that I would have given myself, I wouldn't have given myself the grace that he has given me. Think about that for yourself. How many times has God given you grace when, when you didn't deserve it? And Nebuchadnezzar didn't deserve it, but he got it because that's just the way God is. So we know many times our meltdowns are not caused by us. I mean, many times we go into a meltdown state because of people or circumstances or tragedies, affairs, divorces, deaths, things that are completely out of our control. But unfortunately, too many times, too many odd times maybe than not, we're in a meltdown state because of our own choices. And one of the biggest meltdowns of my life that ever happened to me, and I, I've shared that from this pulpit, I, I don't know how many times, my testimony and what I went through, that meltdown was 100% due to my choices. Nebuchadnezzar, his meltdown was of his own doing. He knew better. He'd been warned, but he didn't take it seriously. Or maybe he just didn't care. But as tough as that story is, as tough as to read that and to see somebody go through seven years of that, there's got to be a lesson in it. There's got to be a lesson in our own meltdowns. The trials that we go through, the tough times, the times that, that we're hurt, maybe hurting the most, there's got to be something that we should learn from it. And we do. And we will, even through this scripture today, as crazy as it was. Well, the first thing is, is that most people have to hit rock bottom before they'll ever turn around. Have you ever noticed that? I hate that this is true. But unfortunately, it is. Why is that? Why is it that some people have to hit rock bottom, or most of us have to hit rock bottom before we change? Well, the first reason is the same issue that Nebuchadnezzar had, and that's pride. And we are prideful by nature. We just are. We think we know it all. We think we know what's best for us. We think we can handle whatever situation that we're facing. And pride was Nebuchadnezzar's nemesis. And it is for many of us as well. So pride, a lot of times, will cause us to hit rock bottom. Not being teachable, that's another one. We just won't listen when others are trying to help us. We won't. They, they've been through it. They, they know. They love us. They want the best for us. Yet they will tell us 
the road we should go on, how we should change, and we just won't listen. We won't be teachable. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant, but he didn't listen. How many times have we been warned by someone that the path that we're on, where it leads, is not going to be good? And we just didn't listen. Sometimes it's because we just are destined to learn lessons the hard way. I've actually had people tell me that before. It's like, you know, I know what you're saying is probably right, but I probably just need to learn that lesson the hard way. Do we want to hurt ourselves? Do we want to, be, to, to go through these meltdowns? I mean, there's so many that could be avoided if we would just listen to others that have been there and, and be teachable. Because the truth is we don't want to learn all those lessons the hard way. Why reinvent the wheel? The second thing that we can learn from meltdowns is that the depth of the meltdown, now listen to this, the depth of the meltdown and time spent there is largely based on us. It just is. This is usually the case if the cause of the meltdown was someone else's fault or our fault. It doesn't matter. How long we stay in that state is largely dependent on us. Now, when we get in that state, and we can see the, our life may be crumbling. We just feel like we're, we're, we're falling into a pit that we can't get out of. What do we do? How do we stop the meltdown? There are things that we can do. There are things that we can do that will keep us from having to stay there any longer than what we should. And the first is just ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness for anybody who may have hurt. And then ask for forgiveness to God. Can you imagine if Nebuchadnezzar would have just said he was sorry sooner? That he wouldn't have had to stay Captain Caveman for seven whole years? He wouldn't have to stay in that Sasquatch state if he would have just said he was wrong? If he would have just said he was sorry? And not only asking for forgiveness, but sometimes we just need to take, or not all, sometimes, but we, all the time, we need to take responsibility for, for our part. For our part in our mess. You see, God loves it when we own our stuff and stop blaming everyone else for our meltdowns. And when we do this, it also ensures that we're going to grow from the experience. When we don't take ownership, we don't grow. When we don't take responsibility, we don't grow. But when we do, it helps us learn so much. We learn about ourselves. We learn how we deal with things. We learn how to avoid things if we'll just take ownership. Here's another one, which really works against being teachable, is asking for help. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help if you will listen to the person that you're asking. We can't just go around asking as many people as we can what their opinion is until we hear what we want to. There's no growth in that for sure. That's why we need to have Christian friends. That's why it's so important. That's why we have small groups and classes and courses and ways that you can connect here at Fellowship. That's why our mission statement is to connect the unconnected to Jesus Christ, number one, but together grow in full devotion to him. That's why we have that mission statement because it's so important that we have other Christians that we can lean on, that we can talk to, that can help us in the meltdowns. We have pastors that you can talk to and counselors. I, I don't think, in fact, I know that I wouldn't have survived my meltdowns without the help of others. And you know what? You won't either. Either that or you just will stay in that meltdown state forever. And not only ask for help, but then make a plan. Make a plan to get out of that situation. 
there is never going to be any change without a plan. You will continue to just cycle through the same thing over and over and over again, and you will stay in your meltdown unless you make a plan to get out. And you may need to come up with that plan with your counselor or somebody that loves you that also has experience and they can help you get out of it. That's a great thing to do. I mean, sit down and go, okay, what do I need to do to change to get me out of this situation and back on track? And then here's the third thing that we should learn in a meltdown situation. And from this story is that God shows his love to everyone, even a heathen, non-believing king. You see, he loves us. And his word says that it is, he has a desire that everyone would be saved. And so we look at the end of this story, which is so incredible. In verse 34, watch what happens. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. So after seven years of a meltdown, he finally looks to heaven, and it says, my sanity returned. Notice he looked to heaven, and then his sanity returned. And I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. Then he recognizes that God is the one true God. God is the most powerful God. It only took him seven years, but he finally turned. Scripture says, uh, he says, his rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? See, a lot of times we get in our meltdown state and we go, why? Why is this happening to me? <laughs> sometimes it's a test if it's not our fault. It, well, sometimes it's a test if it is. But so many times we brought it upon ourselves. Nebuchadnezzar brought this upon himself. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true. He is able to humble the proud. You know what those verses say to me? They say to me that no matter how low you go, if you come back to God, he will welcome you and bless you with more than what you had before. It's just that way. That's the God that we serve. We just have to come back to him. We just have to come back to him. Now this morning, this message is really for two different types of people. The first are those that are going through a meltdown right now. You're in the middle of it, and you're hurting, and you're broken. Let's don't stay there. Let's don't stay there. Don't let this thing in your life go any deeper than it already has. And let us help you stop it. Let us help you find a counselor. Let us help you find a support group, somebody that can mentor you. I mean, that's why we're doing Life Care Night on Mondays. That's starting in September. It's for those that are in the middle of a meltdown or that have experienced a meltdown to get, to get the help that they need. As you go through life, 
you're going to have seasons where you need help. That's okay. Don't let pride tell you that it's not. We've all been there. That's why we have a ministry called The Bridge, which is for our ladies that have just they've been through hurt. They've, they're crushed. They're, they're having a hard time just getting out of bed in the morning. This ministry is so incredible, and you'll be given a group of mentors that will help you walk through this storm, that will help you walk whatever meltdown you're trying to manage. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're right there this morning, or maybe you're in the second group. For those of us that have someone that we love that we're watching them go through a meltdown. And that can be so frustrating. Because you, you know how they can fix it. You know what they can do to get out of it. But they won't, they won't listen to you. They're not there yet. And usually what we do is what we, we try to control it, right? We try to control them. We try to control the situation. We try to think of what we can do to get them out of that state. But the truth is sometimes the only thing that can get them out is God. The more we try, the further they run away. But you know what? God loves them too. No matter how far they've slipped down, and you would have thought they would have hit their rock bottom a long time ago, they hit your rock bottom many levels ago, but they're still going. We don't understand it. God loves them. If he loved an old King Nebuchadnezzar, he loves them too. And he wants to see them come out of this. He wants to see you come out of this. Now, I don't know if you noticed the worship uh, set this morning was themed. We do that a lot. <laughs> because music is a part of the message. But over and over again, we saying this morning about how if we'll just worship him if we'll just give it over to him if we'll just relinquish control and let him take over that's sometimes the best thing that we can do and why is that so hard why is it so hard for us to go god you have it i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my to-do list out the window my strategies are gone you take it. That should be the easiest thing for us to do. Sometimes the best way to get out of a meltdown is just worship him. Sometimes the best way to help somebody else get out of a meltdown is just relinquish control to him. So as Amanda said this morning, and I loved what she said, there was just a season she went through and she was struggling she was hurting she was she was hitting a rock bottom and she allowed the words of somebody else about the truth of what god will do for us heal her give her a new hope and so that's what i want us to do this morning so if you'll stand with me as we sing this together Let's allow the Lord just to guide us. Let's just relinquish control of the stuff that we want to we want to take hold of. Let's give him those that we love that we know are in a meltdown state.
and let's watch what he can do. Let's watch what he can do together. I will sing my way through all the way to everything you say. And I will sing my way through all the way to all your promises. I will sing my way through all the way to everything you've said. And I will sing my way through. Yes, I will sing my way through all the way to everything you said. And I will sing my way through all the way to all your Why did you invest in a heathen king because you saw potential in him and if you saw potential in him I know you see the potential in us help us to see that potential I pray now Lord that you would do something within us you would change us from the inside I pray Lord that we would get help we would not stay in this meltdown state I pray Lord God that we get over to you we relinquish control to you every person that we love that is melting down we cry out to you on their behalf you're the only one that can fix it you're the only one that can change them help it not to take seven years <laughs> for some it takes longer than that Lord but we know that you began a good work in us and you began a good work in them and you're going to be faithful to complete that in Jesus' name. So we give you all these things. 
thank you that you've mapped out a road for us in scriptures where we can learn what we need to learn. But I pray, Lord, that you'd be a lamp unto our feet right now. Show us every step that we need to take. Keep us on the path that you would want us to be on. Just not to get off that path. Help us, Lord, not to cycle through bad decisions and, and stay in a state, a storm that we don't need to stay in. Jesus, you love him. Tell him that you trust him. Tell him that you relinquish control to him. Relinquish control of your life. Relinquish the control of those that you love. Ask him to guide you. Ask Jesus right now to walk you through whatever storms are to come. And that you would never forget that he is there. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. And I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.